This is the Frogcast. and welcome to the Frogcast. We are here win or lose, and for the first time in the memory, we're coming to you after two losses. So the Frogs lose in Austin. Uh, after four years in a row, four victories in a row, the Frogs take a loss down there in Austin. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Jeremy and Daniel, man, I was. Uh, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. We had a four-year run after last week's loss to Ohio State, where I think we actually got uh, uh, bumped up in terms of recognition and status of the program, people thought, hey, we played our guts out. That game could have gone either way. We clearly were identified as a fast team, one of the top teams in the Big 12. Frogs go down there, and I don't, I, we'll, we'll, we'll break down what happened, but I don't think we played all that well. Were you guys surprised at what happened in the game? Jeremy, let's start with you. Did this shock you? No. No, and that's why I kept saying all week long I was really back and forth on this game. And you know, I had Chip Brown. We did a questionnaire back and forth, and he asked the question what my prediction was, and I think I explained it to him pretty well. I was, you know, I, I was really, I was really torn. Not because I thought that TCU was going to go down there and lay an egg, but I thought maybe that win uh, Texas had over USC is going to give them enough confidence to go down there and play. And, and, and I was really concerned with the turnovers that Sean had against Ohio state. Yeah, it was against Ohio state, but it was, it was just kind of a thing of uh, maybe just the, the, the turnovers that happened, just the easy shovel pass, the the interception late in the game. Those, those are things that can be corrected, but when you're young and you're, you're always going to have that as a, as a person that follows a team in the back of your head, is he going to make the same mistakes? And it was crazy because, I was topping up. I, I, I top up my snap judgments as I'm watching the game because if if I forget something, I, I mean it's it's hard to reach back in the memory and and do that story so quickly. But it, it was funny because I started topping because he had already thrown the interception to Brandon Jones, and I was literally in the middle of topping how Sean has to protect the ball, and he had just he had just fumbled, and then he goes in, out and throws an interception to Caden Stearns. I can't remember how that will happen, but anyway, it's just a weird thing. I was topping it on my story, and he he throws the interception right to Caden Stearns, um, that was almost returned for pick six. But yeah, I mean, I, I to be completely honest, just like I was honest with you guys last week when TCU was down ten nothing, and I wasn't worried about it. I'm being completely honest. This this game scared me all week. I even told my Texas buddies when they were saying TCU's going to kill us, they're going to just do whatever they want, and I kept telling them, "Hey, man." This is not going to be a game that everyone thinks it's going to be a blowout for TCU. It's going to be a lot closer. And unfortunately for the Frogs, it ended up being a lot closer than everyone thought, and they they got their second loss of the season. Yeah, I share a lot of those sentiments. I was excited about this game. You know, four in a row will give you confidence to think you can do five in a row, but five in a row is a feat. The only team we've beaten uh, four times in a row in the Big 12, I believe, is – well. I believe is Kansas, and let's just not yeah. get all too uh, excited about that. Daniel, were you surprised by this? Yes. 
Yeah, he was. Look at his prediction that he had. <laughs> hey, full disclosure, we, we have a group chat, and uh, Jeremy kind of asked him to dial it back a little bit. Not like, hey, you can't put that, but is that your, really your prediction? And Daniel said, well, I'm, I'm kind of a fanboy, so I'll give you a little more honest protect, prediction. So you got the, the watered-down, mellowed-out prediction, everybody. Daniel mm-hmm. was, was pretty high on the hog for this game. Yeah, um, because of what we did with Ohio State. You can go toe-to-toe with what is probably second-best team in the country, I think, uh, and, and, and hang tough and basically defeat yourself and, and you know, un, unfortunate things. But uh, – <laughs> and then Texas, not that great. Uh, USC, not that great, uh, what I thought. And then the whole article – that came out that made everybody kind of up in arms. And I thought there's no way they're going to come out flat. You know, they're going to come out with something to prove. They're going to come out and be mad, uh, about that. Uh, but no, they came out and they looked like crap to be honest. And it was at least from what I could see from where I sat way up next to the band from, uh, all you could see where they, where the band was. And, uh, it, it was just, I, I had, did not expect that at all. I, I felt a lot better going into the half with the lead. They came out and played on defense a lot better. You know, Gary probably tore him a new one and made some adjustments, of course. And I, I felt a lot more confident, but then it just completely fell apart. Yes, it did. We're going to talk about the third quarter woes here in just a second. That's the second straight game where things got away from the Frogs in the third quarter. But, you know, one of the things that has been talked about over the years since we joined the Big 12 is that that Texas, while having one of the largest stadiums in in the country and the largest stadium in the Big 12, is not all that intimidating to play, play. I can think of places inside of the Big 12 that are a much rougher environment for the road team. I think I think of Lubbock, even even as they've struggled, they're having a good year this year. That you nobody wants to go to Lubbock, nobody wants to go to Stillwater. We've all fallen victim to the rough crowds and the hostile environment at, at those places. Even a place like Iowa State, Texas did not have that reputation. Daniel, you were there yesterday in the stands. What was your perception of what it was like to be inside of Daryl K. Royal Memorial Stadium, and what was the environment in like like inside the stadium as the game was getting going? They were loud and they were, they were good fans. Um, but it, it didn't feel as hostile as, as other places are. Um, that it's actually, they're, they're it, to the Texas fans. It's, it's an odd thing because there's a lot of decency about them. It's just that one weird, arrogant thing that they have that they're so known for, but otherwise, you know, they're not hateful and they're not, I mean, there's always, some super drunks that I can tell stories about that uh, <laughs> we had some fun with uh, up th- with the students, but uh, you know, there's always those fans. Um, but it, no, it was it wasn't scary hostile. They weren't blowing the roof off. It was loud, but it it being such a big place and being wide open, a lot of that noise goes you know right out the top. Um, but it, it wasn't. Uh, as hostile as you might think, but it's a, it's a good environment and I can see how it'd be loud, uh, loud enough to completely disrupt what they were trying to do. And I guess it probably happened, uh, maybe even on the first play of the game, uh, uh where we had, know. yeah, had to take a timeout before the first snap. Yeah. Because- yeah. No one, no one up where we were, we, you know, couldn't see, we couldn't tell. And that, my only guess was they, they were so rattled by all the noise that 
they, that they had to call timeout and, you know, get, get, uh, get back together. But cause I haven't had a chance to watch it on TV and I kind of don't want to. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I understand that you were up by the band. So there was a little online or a little Twitter uh, spat about where De- Chris Del Conte had placed the band. I think it was Dean Strack at credit where credit is due that got that picture early in the game or before kickoff where the band was way up there in the 400 section. I, th- I think they were up near Round Rock is, is, the, is where it looked like they were. So you were up there, up there by them. That was uh mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'll but, just go ahead and say that's that's no big deal to me. I want to stick our band up and put them inside the, the basketball arena for the visiting bands as far as I'm concerned. I, I liked it, and but I, I still felt a lot closer to the field than I was um, at Jerry World. That, I swear, was five or six miles into the atmosphere. Yes. You had seats uh, near Denton, or it felt like you were on top of Reunion Arena, or a Reunion Tower when you're inside of Jerry World. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, you've covered games down there at in Austin. How did yesterday's environment compare to past events? I mean, it's a little bit louder. I mean, it it was about you know last week they had one hundred three thousand, and this game against TC they had ninety five. It to me, it it didn't really seem like it was getting loud until obviously the Colin Johnson catch. You know, it gave them a reason to get excited. I think probably the the biggest point in the game where where they were the loudest was uh, when uh, Sam Ellinger had had escaped a rush and and found little Jordan Humphrey who took it in for the touchdown. At that point, I think Texas realized the the game was in the bag, and so it gave them reason to cheer even more. But uh, you know, going down to the field with a few minutes left in the game, it was it was still pretty loud. You can sense an excitement from the fans because they were obviously this was a, it's a good win for them. I mean, it's a signature win for Tom Herman uh, being down there at Texas. I mean, the, the win against USC was big, but this is a, this is a signature win for them because they haven't beaten TCU in four years. They've actually been destroyed by TCU the past four years, losing by an average of 30. So, I mean, it, it gave them reason to cheer and, and really get the monkey off their back. But uh, to me, it, it, Texas has always kind of been like a, and Texas fans will even tell you this. It's kind of like a, a golf, a golf clap crowd. They, they really don't get into it. And it's kind of like what TCU fans say about the West side fans, you know, the West, the, the West stands. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, you, you don't have people that are just fanatics uh, that are crazy. Like you, it, it, if, if Texas fans acted as crazy as they do in the stadium, as they do on some message boards, it'd be the rowdiest uh, stadium in college football. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, that's just how it is, but I, I think even Texas fans will kind of tell you it's, it's not comp, but they, they did a good job. The fans kept them in it. Um, Chris Del Conte has a great game presentation down there. Drew Martin too. That's a, that's uh, a Drew, big Drew Martin too. I saw, I saw both. Of, and that was crazy. It, it, it's, it's funny because you, uh, cause I know those guys and seen them at TCU so many years and, just to see those two wearing burnt orange and just laughing and clapping it up on the sideline at the end of the game. It was kind of, it was kind of uh, like, man, this is, this is great for them because this is probably a win that they wanted to get to just being against your old employer and, and, and nothing like there was, you know, bad, bad history between those guys and TCU is actually great history, but it was, it was just kind of weird seeing, seeing a, a representative that, that you knew so well at TCU and did so much for their program just kind of 
gloating in the fact that Texas was winning. I'm not, I'm not talking bad about Chris. It's just, just a weird thing. I guess it'd kind of be like Gary Patterson raising his arms in a burnt orange polo. You know what I mean? Just kind of, kind of seeing like not, not as dramatic, but when you see someone uh, that had such great success at the, the program you cover, and then they're at a rival school now and they're, they're still clapping the same way. And they're so excited to see their new program do well. It's just, it was just kind of a, a mixed feeling for me, I guess you could say. To quote Mike Gundy, that would make me want to puke. I, I don't think I could stomach that. Yeah, I've, I still follow Chris Del Conte and Drew on Twitter because I know they're actually really good guys. And I hope and pray oh, yeah. that they will have um, TCU is maybe come along wherever Texas might want to go next. But that had to be a weird, uh, that had to be a weird sight to, 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 to see, to see those guys pulling for burn orange and knowing that they, you know, they didn't, they didn't lay the block or make the catch, but they had something to do with the elevation of the status of their program. That's for sure. So, Oh yeah. There, I mean, even, even Tom Herman had mentioned both of those guys by name in his post game presser. Yeah. Um, just, just the overall atmosphere, Bevo Boulevard and, and, and even the guys that cover Texas down there have just said that it's, it's, so much different than than what it used to be and uh and you can see the differences you still have to the 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 press box i think that's going to be one of the things that's going to be on his to-do list too because i think it's stuck in the 1990s it hasn't been renovated in a long time but uh and you still have to eat in these little desks that you used to go to school in when you know back in the 70s and 80s for us old folks like the little death like the little bitty desk that you that you lift and you know put your or put your backpack underneath you or whatever and uh you have to you have to eat in those things those are still sticking around but um that's awesome you know but they 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 did uh hand out some halftime cookies and i was told uh exclusively by the reporters down there that's a first that that's ever happened and so I, I think maybe Chris Del Conte had something to do with that. Maybe treat the media good at halftime. <laughs> I'd get tested for poisons. <laughs> <laughs> this may be Jeremy's last frog cast. Um, well, let's dig into the game. A couple things that we really wanted to hash through. Let's just start with the second straight week of third quarter woes. Um, I'm gonna mm. I'm just gonna give you a quick recap here. You know, the frogs kick off, force a three and out. Cavante uh, Chirpin, you know, they he fields a punt. They get the ball down there to the um, 21 uh, after a big uh, 39-yard game by uh, Turpin. Then Sean throws an interception down there at the 21 – or throws an interception, which I think that was going to Jalen Rager. Probably would have been a touchdown if he had a little air under it. And then, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Frogs the frogs are able to come back and force another punt. And they, they drive down and they kick a field goal. And I remember at that moment because that that put the frogs up sixteen that, that that put the frogs up they got them up and at that moment I thought, man we we need touchdowns we need touchdowns because yep. that would have stretched it out to a two score game. There's a psychology of being down at halftime and then to, then putting and then uh, giving up a touchdown coming out of the half. I that was the moment where I thought, crap, we're not going to beat Texas in Austin with field goals. And so that really nope. did kind of, you know, make me uneasy. Texas gets the ball back. They drive it down. Um, they, they miss a field goal. Frogs get the, fall, the ball back. And on the second play, Sean Robinson fumbles. Brandon Jones, who had a great game, picked that thing up. Texas drives down, and they get a touchdown. Uh, Sam to Colin Johnson. And that's when I thought, oh, crap. I think this is going – I think we're going to lose. Frogs kick – all, and they kick off to the Frogs. Very first play. INT to Caden Stearns, who runs it back to the four. Uh, Sam pulls, you know, runs the zone read. They pull it out. They score a touchdown. And, and essentially, that was the ball game. 
it was in that moment in there in the third quarter again the frogs gave up two touchdowns in 17 seconds it was a meltdown what was it like watching that unfold jeremy and what uh what do you think is a tr- contributing to these third quarter woes i'm with you on that one i i kept saying and i even posted on the game thread that they're not going to win uh, a big 12 game kicking field goals and if you go back to when gary patterson when they first got into the league if he could he said if he could hold teams to field goals they're going to win a lot of games it, the the point of the game where where i thought it changes right along the lines of what you said jeff they're they're up uh they're up 13 to 10 and they had a they had a good play to turpin in the next play it, I, I don't know what I don't know what Sean saw. It, it was as if Brandon Jones had on a TCU jersey because the pass couldn't have been any better to Brandon Jones. And and maybe seven five seven yards behind Brandon Jones was a wide open Jalen Rager who would who if he catches it will walk into the end zone. He will walk into the end zone. That's how wide open he is. They go up right there. That's a that's a, a twenty to ten lead, and then. They have another chance. They, they they drove the ball, but they had so many so many just red zone mistakes. It's and it's it's getting to the point where not only are you turning the ball over, you can't you can't capitalize when you get into the red zone. They had that nice play where Jalen got down to the uh, fifty or, or not to the fifty to the four off that long pass, the fifty yard bomb, mm-hmm. and then they and then they couldn't do anything. I mean they they tried to run side to side in Texas was way too fast for that. It was it was a long night. I mean this this we could talk on this podcast for for 2 hours about everything that went went wrong but it was it was at that point where even when they went down Jeff when when Sam and we all called it in the press box. I mean, we were sitting there call, he's going to pull it and he Sam Sam Ellinger's going to walk into this to the end zone with the score. We all saw it up top, and it, that's exactly what happened. But even when Texas goes up twenty-four to sixteen, you're still thinking, okay, well TCU's moved the ball. If they don't turn the ball over, they were still moving the ball, so they're down twenty-four sixteen. And what happens? They drive right down the field. They drive right down the field. They 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 drive all the way down into uh, the Texas twenty-four, and then they start they they have a, a incomplete pass to Jalen, a couple incomplete passes. And here they are, fourth and nine. Okay, if they can get this this field goal, it's 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 a one score game. They they're going to move the ball. They're going to score a touchdown. Well, Jonathan Song missed the field goal, and at that point, I thought, okay, this game might be over because they it's just been deflated. All the momentum is on Texas' side right now. Yeah, one of the things I want to highlight, I don't want to let it pass without acknowledging it. That interception that he threw to Brandon Jones, that if he had just had a little more air under it, that Jalen Rager was standing wide open down there at the one, that was a beautifully designed play because oh, they yeah. put they put uh, Turpin basically on the wheel route. Tur- uh, Rager ran the out and then goes up. And that you could tell that they had been sitting on that thing because Rager was wide open. They were so worried about uh, Turpin catching one deep there. That, that Rager, he was just standing wide open. It was such a beautiful play. It was a great play call because they were not prepared for it. And then it just, they, there was no execution there from Sean to, uh, to Jalen, who that would, like you said, that would have busted it open to, uh, that, that would have busted the game open. And it, 20 to 10, and then, you know, the turnovers, they just, you know, bad things happen when you turn the ball over. Bad things happen that's, when they turn the ball the over. That's the one interception that, 
I could I could see the other interception. It, just reading the coverage wrong. Caden Stearns made a great jump on that ball. But that one, mm-hmm. I just scratched my head so much. It, I mean, if you go back and watch that, Jalen is a good seven yards behind Brandon Jones. He is. And he threw that ball right between the one and the nine. Mm-hmm. Like he was the receiver. It's like it, I don't want to just dogpile Sean, but I, that's that's the one that's the one play. Like you got to ask yourself, is he colorblind? Or what happened on that play? What what happened to where he made he he threw it right to Brandon Jones, and that that's that's a very uncharacteristic play from him. He usually doesn't do that because it's not like it's not like Brandon wasn't sitting there the whole time because he basically was. He backpedaled into that area and then Rager had done the out and up right behind. Like you said, a perfectly designed play. And all Sean has to do is throw it, throw it over his head. And it's a touchdown. Yeah, and he did, yeah, he takes one step and he's in the end zone. Yeah. He takes one step and he's in the end zone. Daniel, watching this team kind of uh, melt down in the third quarter and see, you know, two touchdowns in 17 seconds, missed opportunities. What was it like being a fan sitting there in, in you know, probably surrounded by plenty of Longhorns watch, watching all of this go down? Uh, no, I mean, it, we really weren't that surrounded. Um, it was – I specifically picked a TCU section to buy a ticket in. It turned out to be students, uh, most almost exclusively. Um, Did you find a date? Uh, I'm not a creep. <laughs> I'm too old Sorry. for that at this point. Good, good answer. Keep rolling. Yeah. Anyway, uh, um, we were melting down as well because I mean there were people just the f bombs were going nuts because no, everyone was just blown away. Like, what is happening? Why would you throw it? And it, yeah, it looked. Um, I've only seen it the one time live. Threw a dart right at him. And there's Rager just kind of like, hey, what, what's happening? Like, just off, you know, if you forget about me because it's just unreal. And so he had to have panicked or something and, and thought it was Rager. I just don't know. And none of us else, did, you know, else we had no idea. And it was frustrating and deflating. And, of course, the Longhorn fans that were up there, have this instead of cheering for their team, they'd rather cheer in your face. It's a weird mindset. I don't understand it. And uh, that's what they started doing. And then with a few minutes left, I just uh, walked out. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. You know, one of the things I wanted to highlight about Brandon Jones is, you know, I know he was a highly rated recruit coming out of high school. He he had a tough game last year against TCU. He's the one that notoriously got uh, uh, he got his ankles broken, metaphorically speaking, by Darius Anderson, who broke the game open there in the fourth quarter with that touchdown run. It, you know, if you're a TCU fan, you know what play you know exactly what play I'm talking about. So I'm sure he had a chip on his shoulder coming into this game. I'm sure he wanted to uh, break free from the narrative last year that he just kind of got smoked on an open field tackle because Darius Anderson's ability to put a move on him, and he came up. You know, the ball was thrown right to him yes but he also knew what to do with it when it when it was coming right at him so there was probably a lot at play in that third quarter and just in a few moments of the frog's inability to execute down there in the red zone which we're going to talk about in a second as well as some key turnovers that just uh that, 
that just ended the game. You know, it doesn't mean there weren't opportunities that they had to change things there at the end, but that was uh, that was a difficult moment to consume. That was a difficult moment to experience. Can't be anything for what it was like for the staff and the team on the sidelines or on the field. But that third quarter and, the, and just those moments here, you could I could just feel it slipping away. That field goal was so discouraging <laughs> to me. I mean, it sounds so cliche, but man, you have to score touchdowns when you get down in the red zone. And if you cannot line up, I know I sound like a gritty message board dude here, but if you can't grit up and get a touchdown from first and goal from the four, you're not going to win the game. You just you're just not going right. to be able to do that. The, you know the so. most the most deflating part of the third quarter for me, Jeff, is when TCU had the sixteen to ten lead, and I, I think this was right after Sean's fumble, and they Texas, the defense came out and did a phenomenal job the first two downs. But when Texas yes. faced a third and nine, they got the first down. Uh. TCU defense stopped them again, faced a third and seven. Texas got the first down. That's the one where. I think Colin Johnson was still picking on Gladney a little bit, ran a ran a hitch route on him, and Gladney was playing ten yards off. I mean, he's playing way off. But the most deflating part of that that drive after that happens, then you get they get a first down, they get a holding penalty, so they get all the way back to the thirty-one, and it's a first and twenty. So they're getting all this. They're, I'm thinking, okay, well at least they're pushing them back. They're pushing them back, and then Ellinger throws a stinking dart to a diving Johnson for the touchdown. I think that was the most deflating part of that third quarter, because at that point you were kind of like, man, it just doesn't seem like no matter what TCU's defense did that drive, Texas was, was going to score no matter what they were going to put a touchdown on the board. And this was going to be a, a game changer. And that's what it was. I mean, you, you felt bad, but you know, it's, it, it, it's not only on the offense on that sequence in the third quarter, it, you know, the defense had a chance to, and they had really three opportunities just in that one drive to get Texas off the field or to make them kick a field goal, and they failed on on all three times. You know, you mentioned what Sam was able to do on third down on that drive. You know, I, I just want to do a little quick compare and contrast. I can't find the numbers. I saw it. They flashed it on the game a couple of times. That if you go back to last year, what made Kenny Hill so good last year was third down. Third down efficiency. The Frogs were – yeah, third down efficiency was, you know, one of the tops in the Big 12, one of the tops in the country, actually. And so third and seven, third and eight, that really never made you anxious last year for a couple of reasons. One, you knew Darius Anderson could do something with the ball in his hands. And the guy that I think we missed the most from last year is John DeArce. We do not have a possession receiver that can go over the middle or, or, or push 175, 180-pound uh, corner off him, turn around, and then gut two yards after the guy makes contact. And right. so that is where Sean is really lacking this year. That's where the offense, let's just not put it all on Sean, that is where the offense is lacking this year, is their ability to ha- be efficient on third down. That's the biggest difference between 2017 and 2018, is the ability of the Frogs to convert third downs, whether it's third and three or third and 11, because Kenny was always able to make that happen with his arm, with his legs, or at least getting giving the guy a chance that he knew could do something when he got the ball. You know, Rager is going to do what he does, but there has to be more than him. Turpin is is a great player, but he doesn't always know what I mean, he doesn't thrive in those type of situations. What we miss is a guy like John DR. So I just wanted to throw that out in terms of third quarter and third down of things that I see are a, a cause for concern. You know what the best thing about John DR was? He was a grown man. He was a fifth year <laughs> player and uh, could could is smarter than everybody else and could win the fight in the parking lot. That's why I love John DeArce. He was, he, was, he, was cons- he was consistently clutch, and that's yes. and that's kind of like what Josh was. 
consistency crunch. Yes. I mean, no matter what, in clutch situations, you could go to them and they would make plays. They would be consistent. And right now, TCU does not have a receiver. Now, Jalen's coming on and he, he's he's going to be a great receiver. I mean, the last two ball games, he's had great outings. <clears throat> but there's still there's still some there's still some drops that are very concerning and and you didn't have yes, that with are. Josh and John. No, you did not. No, you did not. You know, we've touched on the two other things we wanted to talk about. We talked about some red zone issues and turnovers the last two games. You know, we can all go, you know, this reoccurring theme of the third quarter, but but turnovers have been an issue the last two games. Uh Jeremy, what w- take us inside the numbers on that. What do you see as the big issue for the Frogs cause, you know, turning the ball over as well as their inability to force turnovers in these big games that we have to get them. Well, turning the ball over, I mean, you, you got to start with Sean cause he's had six of them the last two games. And I, I posted something on the board uh, today with the interceptions he's thrown. I think he has, what is it? Five or six on the year now. I don't know off the top of my head. He had two last night. He had, two against Ohio State, one against SMU. So he has five interceptions. and Then he had the, had the fumble yesterday as right, well. Right, right, right. But the interceptions he's thrown, he's thrown right to the defender. I mean, it's just off of bad reads. It's not, it's not off of uh, – surprisingly, it's not off a tip pass from one of his receivers like I figured it would, would have been. But uh, – you you've got to you just got to take better control of the ball. I mean, take better care of it. You got to you got to read the defenses better. And maybe that's maybe that's I mean, he's he's a young quarterback and you can you can compare uh Sean to you know, I, I saw someone posting about well it's it's Sonny's fault because look at all these other sophomore young quarterbacks. Those guys have also have a lot of talent around them and they don't have a, a brand new offensive line in front of them. Um the offensive line last night not to sugarcoat it, sucked. They oh. the only thing they did well was protect Sean. I mean, they didn't give up a sack. But if you can't, I, I, I felt bad for Sonny, and I even get this way at the pee wee level. When you can't block it in a, in a game, you might as well just wad up your playbook and throw it away. If you if your team becomes one dimensional, it, it you can't call plays. It's it is so tough to call plays, and. That's that's what Texas did a good job of is was making making TCU one dimensional because the running running back the the offensive line couldn't create any running lanes. But I know that's a different different topic. But um, as far as getting turnovers, I, man, I don't have an answer. Takeaways that TCU's always been really good at that. They did a great job. That's that's what I kept telling everyone uh, that covers Texas. They did a great job getting pressure on Sam Ellinger. And you, even then, even those guys were just waiting for him to throw up a prayer at some point, and he just did a, a fantastic job of protecting the ball. That was probably his best game of his career, just based off oh, the fact. Oh, it's not how, even just, close. Just based off the fact how TCU got some great pressure on him, and he didn't make he didn't make bad decisions. He he just didn't, and I I really don't even recall. Not even one time where TCU looked like it even came close to intercepting a pass. Uh, obviously, they're not they're not causing any fumbles. I think that's where a lot of the takeaways came from last year when you had strip sacks or you know just with Matt Boson blindsiding quarterbacks. But it's 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 really 
it's really concerning. I mean, TCU is is one of the worst programs, if not the worst. I haven't looked it up in turnover margin. I mean, they 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 can't be that far from the bottom because if you look at the last two weeks alone, they haven't created any. They've lost six, or they 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 lost four last night and three. That so they've lost seven turnovers the last uh, two games. And I'm sorry, and you you're, you're not going to win if you do that. You're just not. You cannot beat Ohio State and Texas. No. And see, that's, giving that's up, giving up the ball seven times and not forcing one. That's, that's, that's another thing. TCU is, is right now playing average football. It's, it's an average football team. But you do have to give credit to so – I forgot who it was. Someone made a great point. Yeah, Sean struggled, but look at his first. He he played Texas Tech last year. That was was pretty bad. You played Southern, which we all know is an FCS school. You played SMU, which by the way, props to SMU for beating Navy for crying out loud. I never thought that oh, would have yeah. happened. That was a great comeback then, by Ben Dix. Then, then he gets then he gets to play Ohio State, which is arguably a, a one of the top teams in the country. They're maybe the second best, like Daniel said, and then you have. Texas, an up-and-coming program. Now, if Texas goes out and lays an egg this week at Kansas State, I don't know what I'm going to think. But I don't. I think Texas is going to go up to Kansas State and whoop the crap out of them. As I, I really do. Uh, oh, I do too. And, I do too. And I think. And I even told. I even told some of my Oklahoma buddies, "Hey, y'all better watch out because Texas is extremely fast on on defense. And if Sam plays the way he did against TCU, y'all's defense isn't better than TCU's. So you better be ready to." To, to have a lot of Texas fans, you know, g- getting after you guys after the game, because I think Texas can definitely beat Oklahoma. But it's, it's, that's, that's part of the problem too. Now I'm not, I'm not being a Sean Robinson apologist. He, he has made some horrendous mistakes, but I also got to give him a little bit of leeway just because he's only made five starts and out of those five starts, he's played two. I, I haven't seen the rankings. Have the rankings came out? Is Texas in the top twenty-five now? Oh yeah. Okay, so oh, yeah. he's he's played against two top twenty-five teams out of his first five starts. Yeah. And so, you know, it well, is what it is. Let's go ahead and make a transition here, since you're talking about Sean. I got a little segment here. I kind of want I want to call message board fans. None of which applies to TCU, of course, but nothing brings out the haters and the doubters and the change everything and bench somebody and fire somebody. Like, or or my great question: Why are we wasting a scholarship on this guy? Like, uh, av- you know, the emotion of fans after a, a loss, a tough loss, especially two tough losses in a row. So let me, let's just start with these questions. I want to hear from both of you real quick. We'll start with you, Jeremy. Message board fan question. Can Sean Robinson even play quarterback? <laughs> what do you think, Jeremy? Yes, he can play quarterback. Hey. Get, 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 call the call fan, fan down. I'm going to call him uh, Frog Fan uh, uh, 75. Let's go with that. Some Frog Fan 75, longtime lurker, first time poster. Why are we even playing Sean Robinson? He's clearly not a quarterback that can win us the Big 12. Tell us why that's not true. Well, for all you Kenny Hill haters that thought Sean Robinson was better, Kenny Hill led you to a Big 12 championship game. So, Sean Robinson Top should be Top 10 a- finish. Sh- yeah, Sean Robinson should be able to. I mean, just just remember that. So, all you guys that were hating on Kenny last year and that are hating on Sean, who's it going to be next? I mean, I, I, who, really, who's it going to be next? 
Because obviously wanna, none of you guys, I wanna say this all, all, you guys were, not, all you guys were badass quarterbacks in high school for your JV team. And so now you think, <laughs> now you, think you can talk about how great a D1 quarterback should be that's got five starts under his belt. So. Dude, when I was a quarterback at Ridgely Roughnecks, we never lost. We never lost. I knew what to do when the when the chips were down in fourth grade. You were twelve year old you know, playing in an eight U eight U league. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> my dad fudged my birth certificate. I was shaven and had a coarse light at halftime. But man, we never <laughs> lost. <laughs> we never lost. Yeah, I I, I want to tap the brakes on all the Sean hating. I think we can acknowledge there's some growing pains. I think we can acknowledge he's not quite doing what I thought he was going to be able to do. Yeah. He, had some, he had a great game against Ohio State. I thought he had a pretty good game against Ohio State. But let me say this delicately because I, I go out of my way to not criticize uh, student-athletes uh, consistently on this show. But did you see anything from Michael Collins' throws in that fourth quarter <laughs> that said he's the guy that would have put up 35 points against Texas? No. I think Mike looked kind of nervous out there. He was, he was bouncing those throws I, pretty good. I don't I mean, blame him. I mean, like – Frog, frog fan 75 that played it originally roughnecks wouldn't have thrown those but right. man and let me just tell you you know you're you're talking to the guy who just last week talked about how sean robinson uh that how tcu had found a quarterback and sean robinson found the quarterback of the future and i don't yeah. i don't remember a whole lot of people disagreeing with me and so mm-hmm. i think i think based off it's normal to have knee-jerk reactions. Everyone does in every walk of life, whatever you're, whatever you're doing. And, it, and it's easy and it's easy to sit behind a keyboard and type things or sit in the stands and yell things. It's easy to do that, man. But, I mean, we're, we're talking one game. If it, if it continues to be a trend where, I mean, just remember Andy Dalton. Remember the rule Coach P had for Andy? You throw an interception, you're out. And, and, and Andy and Andy, like he, and he kind of scared Andy, but you know, even, even Andy, when he was a redshirt freshman, I mean, his, his interceptions were greater than his touchdown passes. And so yeah. it, you just, you, I, I know it sucks because this was the year. I mean, every year it's the year. And now all your Texas buddies that you've been talking smack to the last six weeks since the fall camp started now you don't get to now now you got to hear from your office buddies or your buddies that went to texas how how texas is back and herman is but i get that i get that pisses that pisses you off i mean i i don't have any rooting interest but i get all kinds of messages and everything else saying hook them or got hooked and i'm like i don't give a damn what you say i whatever (laughs) whatever i mean it's 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 you know i cover the team but yeah, I, I understand the frustration on, on that part, and it's easy to blame a particular guy, just like it was last year when when Kenny played Ohio, uh, Iowa State. It, it's easy to blame one individual, and yeah, I, I'm in total agreement. Sean has got to improve. You can't you can't keep this trend of uh, that many turnovers, and, and eventually they they will come hell or high water if he keeps making those bad decisions. They will put Michael Collins in there, and if he makes bad decisions, I mean, then you have a you have a tough situation, quarterback. And no, Justin Rogers bring will not out the mule. This year. Justin Rogers will not play for anyone wanting to know he he's not completely healthy. He's just he's making uh, the the road trips with the team, and just kind of get you know that's what they do with all those freshman quarterbacks. But yeah, I just I I, I have the solution. What is it? Tell us. It is to go. And somehow 
go ahead and get Max Duggan out of uh, high school <laughs> because because the yes because what because the next guy is always the best yeah and he's the furthest down the list so he's got to be the best of the best <laughs> you got any thoughts on Sean Daniel. <sighs> It was sad. I mean, I feel bad because I know he's he's trying really hard, and it. it and everybody, there's a lot of comments on speaking of message boards about how they're coming off the field smiling or laughing, and that doesn't mean they're okay with it. And that is stupid. Um, Kenny did that his first year, but what it is, it's basically if if you don't laugh, you cry, and. It's it's still an a release of an emotion. It's just coming out in a, for, through a different channel, and they're not happy with what they're doing, um, and and they want to get better, and uh, and they better, or I'm not going to buy season tickets ever again. <laughs> Speaking of overreactions, I love this. If they don't get better, this show is over. I'm not coming on here. I only do this for winners because when I played, we were winners. You know, we never lost a game when I was in junior high. I just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, um, when I was when I was backup free safety on the eighth grade B team at Alito that never played, we always won. That's right. And then you go to Bearcat Cafe for a burger afterwards. <laughs> That's right. Hell yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> That's right, man. You better believe it. Or Jerry's Barbecue. Shout out to all the old timers in Alito like me. Jerry's Barbecue. Oh, second message board uh, fan to thumping my chest. Uh, Jeremy, why why are they not giving the ball to Darius Anderson? He took it for ninety seven yards against uh, Ohio State. Why? Or, you know why? Why he ran all over Ohio State? Why aren't we giving the ball to Darius Anderson? Yeah, I understand that concern, and I cry, I agree with it for the most part. It, yeah, he he should be getting more carries. Uh, and, and there was a point in the game where I can't remember what quarter it was, but and I can't even remember what play it was. I just remember him getting hit, and everyone around us was just like, "Oh man, he's he's limping off the field." It's like he got hurt on that play. Well, he's. If, if you have a shin injury and he gets hit in the shin again, which it looked like he did, he 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 might he might have been a little bit hurt. I don't know, but again, this goes back to the offensive line play, and that's it. it when, when Texas just did a phenomenal job of stopping the run, yeah. If you can give Darius Anderson twenty carries and he gets you eighty yards, is that really saying something? Or if he gets you if he gets you seventy yards because let's let's be honest the first half they had 62 yards rushing in the first half 35 of those yards came from sean robinson on that last drive so yeah they weren't moving they weren't opening running lanes shaywo had a 15 yard gain and that was a miracle and and the most disappointing thing about that and i know i'm gonna probably piss off some people that love offensive line they were doing that against a three-man front and we were, we're mm-hmm. in th- how could they not, how can they not run against a three man front? Yeah. They have six in the box, but that should at least give you a few yards or at least, you know, just wear them down enough to where they've got to start, uh, stopping the run. You know, just, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's hard to explain, man. And, and I, like I said, I agree. I agree with people that say Darius needs more carries. I think he needs more touches period, whether it's, he has 15 carries or they throw 
uh, five passes to him on swing routes. I, I don't those swing passes that he gets. Those are, those are usually positive yards. He usually gets five to six yards on those swing passes every time just because he's got outstanding speed on the perimeter. But, yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement. I, I think he needs more carries. But against Texas, it was just tough, man. Offensive line just wasn't getting any movement, and it was going to be tough for him to run. I, I, I understand where people come from. Hey, we've got to wear them down. We've got this great running backs. Let's wear them down. And it's just – it's so hard to do when when you're just not getting any running lanes to do that with. They weren't getting any push up front, no. which is clearly a problem. But then let's say you you know Darius Anderson had eight carries for 15 yards. I mean, like he he was not producing with the yards. I mean, with the carries that he was getting. And there's a lot of you know maybe he was banged up after that hit. Maybe the offense you know I don't I think we all agree the offensive line wasn't doing what they need to do against a three man front. But let's say you triple his carries up to 24. Just and you take the average out, he's still behind Shewo who had 12 carries for 55 yards. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's the that is not the reason that the frogs lost in Austin. Because if you cannot generate a push up front, it doesn't matter how gifted the running backs are. So, you know, that, that kind of goes to one of the thoughts I had. I remember this. I remember it so clearly because it was the morning. I had, I had gotten word that Ross Blacklock had been hurt, and I, I didn't confirm it. And uh, I'd reach out to you, and you wouldn't confirm it. And I had this great fear that uh, this, this was the thought that I had right before I heard about that was, uh, you know, I want this year's defense with next year's offense. Because, you know, you got Ben, you got Ty, you got Ross. You know, at that time I thought maybe yeah. this is Ross's last year. And I thought next year you got that offensive line, which will essentially all be returning. You'll have Sean as a junior, Jalen Rager as a junior, hopefully Darius and Shewo as, as seniors. That's the offense that I want with this year's defense. And then you take a big hit on defense, and then you have the offense that's uh, with, with Ross getting hurt. And then you have that offense that's still going to have to get its legs underneath them. That makes, especially when you got Ohio State. And then, you know, back-to-back Ohio State to Texas, when I saw that on the schedule back when that came out, I thought that that has the potential to be a doozy. That has the potential to be a doozy. So a lot of things were, break, were, were working against us in terms of timing, in terms of uh, roster development, and on one side of the ball versus the other. And it all kind of came to a head yesterday in Austin. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give uh, Sonny a pass on not giving the ball to Darius because it wasn't working. I would say a good offensive coordinator knows how to uh, make a change mid mid game and know what his game plan was. That's not getting the production that it desired. Because if he just kept feeding Darius, it was it was clear to me that it wasn't going to be able to produce the results that we all that we all thought it could from behind our keyboard. Well, here's the thing: did, did you guys realize that TCU outgained Texas last night? I did not. Yeah. I it makes Texas sense out- yeah. because so, we kept just giving them the ball. Yeah, tex- TCU out short yeah, fields. They, they yeah. I mean, you don't you don't win a game by producing more yards. It was close, but TCU had three seventy two to three sixty seven. But you had four turnovers, and Texas had none. Man, that'll do it every single time. Well, let me give you. Let me put you on the spot here with one more message board fan question. Uh, and I had some people get at me at Twitter about this, and, and it was. Uh, a lot of energy around this. Why in the world do you wave the white flag and punt when you're two scores down late in the fourth quarter? Did we just give up? I will not use the words that people use to describe our coach whose oh, decision I respected. What was the response? Let's just get this. What was the response at the press at the postgame presser? Because I know you're there for uh, Jeremy. 
Oh, it was on, it was it was it was on it was on the sidelines on the field during the game, and you know every everybody it, it, mostly it was the people that covered Texas because they were just saying you know Coach P's giving in. He 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 just gave up. He just waved the white flag. And when you're when you're down by two scores, you his his mentioning of it, and, and this is what I told a reporter. I, I I said he probably doesn't want to give up the ball right there because he probably doesn't want them to score. He doesn't want the score to look any worse than what it is. And after the game, when we talked to him, we asked him about that, and it was kind of along the same lines. I had I still had two timeouts left. I thought we can stop them and we can get the ball and score. They did stop them. Maybe get an onside, do whatever, and score again. And it, yeah, and so he he was he was you know trying to manage the game, and he kind of he was okay with the question, but then he took offense to it. If you guys go and read my game story, I've got the whole the whole uh, video of his press conference on that story. Um, that. That just mm-hmm. he explains it. I think about two minutes in, but yeah, I, I think for the most part, that was it, if if they were obviously closer to midfield, I think he goes for it. But at that at the same time, I I, I just think Coach P probably didn't want that score becoming thirty four to sixteen to make it look any worse. I mean, I think if you sat him down and just said, Coach, I. I I want the one hundred percent complete, honest truth, and he basically said it. If, if 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 we don't make it, they get the ball right there. They can kick a field goal, and I know he didn't want that scoreboard. He didn't want that score being anymore. Yeah, he didn't want that score. They don't, he didn't want the score because it would make the comeback even that much harder. But I just don't think he wanted that another score on the board. Uh, I really don't. And at that point, mm-hmm. I don't think he had great confidence in his offense, to be honest. And so it was, it was, uh, I think it become, it, it, it has become more of a story than, than what it really should be. I do say that because you, you weren't moving the ball, uh, I mean, consistently without turnovers through basically, uh, 57 minutes of the game. And who's to say that you're all of a sudden going to be able to magically score two touchdowns. So, TC fans got to maybe take off the glasses a little bit and, and look at that and, and just think, okay, so he he didn't punt. Does, do you still think TCU is going to win? And, mm-hmm. yeah, I get the whole, well, you got to give them a chance. But, but yeah, it's – I'm not going it, to – it's building a mountain out of a molehill, in my opinion. It, and and yeah. we had people writing stories about that, and it's just – you know, to me, it's it's it it's a non-story. The game to me was already done. There was there was nothing that was going to change that score. I tend to agree with to you. Me. There was nothing that was going to be done. And I, I I you know we use such loaded we use like such loaded stupidity you know stupid language of of manhood around sports. They're like you don't give up or you 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 you, you never you never wave the white flag. I'm, sometimes it's just like this game is over. I don't want anybody to get hurt. I've got to beat Iowa State next week. We we've got three minutes left. If we punt and they fumble it, then we get the ball. 
if we punt and we stop them, which they did, we get the ball because you're still looking for something magical, something crazy out of the ordinary that has to happen. Once you get inside of a couple minutes there left in the game, you're banking on something crazy. Maybe you're banking on a, on a botched punt. You know, maybe he muffs the punt. Maybe they, maybe they, uh, maybe they are dumb enough to try to throw it there and maybe they can force a three out and score really quickly, which they had not been able to do. So you're still banking on something there. I wish, I wish we would stop pretending like we knew what we were doing there. I mean, I, I, I have a sense of football knowledge, and I've been around the game my whole life, but I'm not a Division One football coach. That doesn't mean that there aren't mistakes that coaches make every play, every game. But I just – I can't stand the overreaction to uh, a man paid $5 million or you know whatever it is to, to have to figure out how to manage the end of a game and make it sound like people, – people using the phrase like, oh, he's a pussy and all this. I'm like, give me a break. Stop talking that way. That is insane. That is irresponsible and not supportive of the team. And you can be critical, as we've been on this podcast, without pretending like you know, we know what we're, we, that we know better than the people that did that or like it's a great put down to the players because it's not. And I, that's one of the things that actually kind of gets under my skin as a fan is listening to people that that kind of really get a lot of courage at the end of a game when when uh, you know we we turn the ball over so many times that we set Texas up to win this game to to take this game away from us which they did um, that's that's just my little rant so if you listen to this and you were popping off about how that what a stupid play that was you're wrong so I just wanted to say that that's that's just the um, uh, the uh, the hot headed keyboard warrior mm-hmm. that. Well, you know they, they they've got to they've got to prove a point to to let everyone know that their opinion matters the most because they they put caps and everything else and yeah I mean it's it's pretty obvious that Tom Herman is also a big chicken too because he took a knee going into the half what a pansy he should have kept <laughs> going right. for it that's, that's pathetic right. why didn't they chuck the ball downfield <laughs> you got to keep going yeah. for it you got to score points you got to win man up. Take a knee. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Why would he take a knee? Why would he take a knee? Oh, oh man. We got we got about halfway through the message board fan questions that I have, and we've been going for 15 minutes now. So we're going to do a little transition here. I want to take a minute and uh, thank one of our sponsors, which is Teen Life. You should follow them online at teenlife.ngo. Uh, high school is hard. It was a lot harder when Jeremy and I went back in the 70s, and we needed a lot of help then, but the guys are – going through high school now they are up against obstacles that we can't even begin to imagine some of our schools right there in texas are overwhelmed and understaffed and teenagers are facing more challenges than ever before teen life makes an impact by offering free support groups to schools with the help of community volunteers through these groups school staffs receive support that they need and students are empowered to face life's many difficult challenges if you want to go online to teenlife.ngo it gives you a chance to sign up to volunteer as well as a way to make a a tax-deductible donation which i would encourage you to look at both of those so go online and support teen life i definitely want to thank uh, jeff mccain who's a big advocate of this longtime listener of the frogcast and he wrote me this morning and i may or may not have been checking twitter during communion at church and he said pastor i need you to give a good word to the frog fan base this morning this evening because we are apocalyptic so i told him that we would give words of promise on the on the ashes of despair so hopefully this podcast will cheer you up a little bit and give frog fans a chance to look forward to the ohio the iowa state game get past ohio state get past texas and look forward to a night game against the cyclones you get to tailgate all day folks you can uh, get some beer and nachos to enjoy the 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 game 
and, and be out there and enjoy the scenery at Amon G. Carter Stadium this Saturday at 6 o'clock. Frogs playing Iowa State on ESPN2 national televised game. Don't you dare stay home because you didn't because the Frogs didn't win in Austin. We need a good showing down there against Matt Campbell and the Cyclones that will be coming down there for an emotional game after last year's loss in Ames. Well, we've touched on a few of these things already, but I just want to give you guys a one last chance. What did you see from this Texas team that is different than what we've seen in Texas teams in the past? My quick answer and shortest answer I'll give you all now to Sam Ellinger. He, he played phenomenal. He played great, and that's that's what they've been missing. They've, they've needed a quarterback, and yeah, if we're talking about present – that kid played great, and he's played great the last three ball games. He's only fumbled once. He hasn't thrown an interception the last three games, and he's taking control. He's taking care of the football. That's that's what they've needed this whole time is a good, decent quarterback. Daniel, what do you see different in this Texas team? Uh, yeah, it's probably got to be him. I, I don't. They've had the, the the skills and the and the and the big guys. All this time, they've just never had anyone who could put it together and make it a complete team. And they're a lot better, you know, instantly just with him kind of snapping out of it and being focused. And he just kinda, he kind of gets it now is what it seems like. And now everything falls into place. And, uh, and I don't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> it seems as if that is the case. He uh, he really is the difference. I I got to tell you, I was impressed with uh, Ingram. I was I was not as high on him in high school, coming out of high school as other guys were. I knew he was good. It's not me belittling him, but I didn't think he'd be able to have an impact as a freshman. And he, I was really impressed with him. So I give it oh, to yeah. Sam. I give I give it to Ingram. Those those two guys really did uh, do a lot of hard work. But that defensive backfield, that that recruiting class is already paying off from last year. Stearns, he's a player. There's just no two ways about it. They've got a they got a great secondary at Texas, and they're he he built that class last year around how to how to stop teams like TCU, and we'll get a chance to see what they do in a couple of weeks against Oklahoma and Red River. So, a lot of good things coming up. They're going to beat them. You're you think they're going to beat Oklahoma? They're going to beat Oklahoma. Well, let's transition into a couple of the games from this last weekend. Speaking of Oklahoma, <laughs> to quote the late great Bino Cook. Army had almost had their biggest victory since World War II in Norman last night, <laughs> going into <laughs> overtime. Um, did you pay? Did you drop fifty bucks on pay per view to watch the last four minutes of this game? Because I came really close to dropping fifty bucks just to watch the last five minutes of this game. Oklahoma beats Army in overtime, time twenty one twenty one at the end of regulation. I I I was afraid that if uh, if if Army scored in overtime when they got the ball on the second possession, that they were going go to go go for two and not let Oklahoma, you know, and just and just end it because they'd run the veer and Oklahoma would be in trouble and Mike Stoops would get an extension and they would have lost to uh, to Oklahoma, to, to to Army. That was a crazy – I know we didn't see it. I followed it along on Twitter, but I just wanted to highlight that. It's a crazy, crazy game. I can't really talk about it because, I'm like, like you, I didn't see much of it. We followed it on Twitter as well, on ESPN. If, it would have been cool for Army to get that win just because it's Army. Yeah. But, oh, my gosh, would that have been the worst thing for the Big 12 I, oh, I can't it would have been awful. how bad that would have looked for the Big 12 had o- Oklahoma lost that game. And the worst part about it, it still may be looked, looked upon 
just because they had to win. If Army goes and has a dismal season and OU sitting there with playoff discussion and they're going to go back to that Army game and be like, yeah, they only beat Army by touchdown and overtime. And well, Seibert missed a field goal to win the game in regulation. He, he had a chip shot that he missed in, that put the game into overtime. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. But what's worse, Oklahoma possibly losing to Army or uh, Virginia Tech losing to Old Dominion? <laughs> that was bad. I, I'm going to go with West Vir- or uh, Virginia Tech losing to Old Dominion because I follow Division One football is a, it, with a mild addiction, and I don't think I would could have con- I don't think I could have been convinced that Old Dominion was an FBS school, which they are. They're a member of Conference USA. Yeah, I did not know that. I thought I they were FCS. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know what would have been a worse loss. At least Army, you know, they they won ten games last year. That's a that's a salty program. They're they beat they beat Navy last year. You know, Navy kind of had their number for for what felt like a decade there. So I don't know what would have been worse. But that was an embar man. ACC, there's Clemson, and then a bunch of hot trash. There's nothing left in the ACC as far as far as I'm concerned. Oklahoma State gets drilled by Texas Tech. I'm going to go on the record and say that's the best win Cliff Kingsbury has had yeah. since he became the head coach. Yep. They drilled Oklahoma State in Stillwater. That was nasty. That was nasty. Well, it just made the game for when Texas Tech comes to town a whole lot more interesting. It really does because one of those teams might end up 6-6 six and six, and one of those teams might end up 9-3. and three. Because that's a, that's really a pivot game. That might be the game that, that the season hinges on. So, well, that was. That I is, mean, they didn't just beat them. I mean, they they dominated them. I mean, it was a great we, win for them. I guess the number, I, 15, number fifteen team in the country. We're, everyone's sitting there talking about Oklahoma and West Virginia and TCU and 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 uh, you know people were talking about. Look at Oklahoma State, man. They're playing really good football, too. They need to be mentioned in this Big 12 discussion as being a contender. And, man, whew, Texas Tech put it on them. Texas and Tech's they got dr- some studs. And they drilled Boise State last week, who I thought was going to be, you know, one of the top. Yeah, I thought it was UCF and Boise State as the two teams from the, you know, non-power conference fighting for one of those New Year's Six Bowls. And they just, right. they just got drilled by Tech. Uh, give a little shout out to former frog commit, uh, commit, uh, Tazan Henry. Did I get, what's his first name? Did Tejan. I get his name right? Tajon Henry. He's had a good, he's had a good freshman season, man. I added him to my fantasy team. He is really having a good year. I say good for him, young man. Good for you. Uh, Kansas gets beat by Baylor. That's all we're going to say. West Virginia smoked Kansas state. They just smoked Kansas state. And then we have a new addition, a new candidate for a Big 12 expansion. Did you guys see anything from the Nebraska-Michigan game? <laughs> no, I listened to it. I listened to it on the way down to Austin. and Man, I just can't believe how bad Nebraska – even after that, that, great, that, that great speech about buying in from, from one of their players. I mean, that, yeah. that, that dude's up there talking like he's a, a coach for Nebraska – 
and you're thinking, okay, well, this this dude's up there. He he's going to get the attention of his players, and they go out and just get their butt stomped by Michigan. I mean, ugh, you got it's got to hurt to be a Cornhusker fan right now. It really does. I don't know if this is recruiting. I don't know if this is just the lingering hangover from the Mike Riley era, but I, I Frost, Scott Frost is a good coach. There's no denying that. Scott Frost, he's a national championship coach, but they did not look good yesterday. I don't, I, you know, I don't think Michigan's great. I think they're eight and four, maybe, maybe nine and three in a week big 10, but I, they just look terrible. They look so confused on both sides of the ball yesterday. So that's all the games from yesterday that I felt like referencing. Anybody see anybody see anything else? I caught a little bit of the Stanford Oregon game. Oregon gave that game away, and Stanford said thank you very much. Um, there was there, that, that was about it yesterday. Stanford, that was a real good. Comeback. Yeah, it was. Dan Rubenstein, who actually had, we had on the broadcast to preview the Alma Bowl back in 2015, uh, he, he hosts the Solid Verbal, really good uh, college football podcast. He tweeted out, "Oregon fans." What happened the last time we went to overtime time 31-31? And it was right when they went into overtime. And he was like, nothing good is going to come from this. And he was right. So oh, I, I got a kick out of that. So, Well, let's look at some picks for next week's games. Uh, let's look around the Big 12 real quick here. We got West Virginia and Texas Tech. West Virginia coming in at 12. Texas Tech ranked in the top 25 at number 25. Daniel, who, who do you have? Anything you see in the West Virginia Tech game? Who do you have? Um Kind of have to go with West Virginia, but I think it'll be close. West Virginia is laying four and a half points. We don't bet on spread on here, but uh, Jeremy, who do you have in, in Tech, West Virginia? West Virginia, straight up. I'm going to take West Virginia as well. I think that they're going to continue to uh, grind their way into the top ten. I think that I think they're going to be undefeated going into November. I was curious how they were going to do, and they are exceeding expectations as far as I'm concerned. I think we've already said this. Texas is going to roll Kansas State. Texas is going to – everybody agree with yeah. that? Yeah. Yep. Even though Kansas State is thorn in their side, they're going to beat them. Yeah, I think they're going to beat them too. Uh, 4-0 Baylor – or 4-0 OU plays 3-1 Baylor. Who do you guys have in that game? Baylor. <laughs> 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 do you think they're going to get a butt chewing this week and uh, come out and lay the wood and take out all of that angst from the Army game on poor old Baylor and make them – bump them back to 3-2? and two? Yeah, it'll be it'll be glorious. The spread is twenty four. I think I I would not be surprised if if OU hangs half a hundo on them. Are we just going straight up? Or are we doing the spread thing? Oh, we're doing straight up. We're okay, straight okay. up. Give me OU. Yeah, give me OU as well. Yeah, I think that that's what's going to happen. I think uh, you know Baylor's coming along. All right, they beat Kansas, so they're moving in the right direction. But I think I think they're going to get annihilated by uh by Oklahoma. All right, a couple more picks around the big tw- I mean around the rest of the country. Let's see here. We've got UCF and Pittsburgh, which is a game I'm kind of excited about. I'm a bandwagon UCF fan. UCF is 3 and 0, up to number 13 in the country, highest uh, rated of the gang of five teams. They're playing uh Pitt. Who do you have, Daniel? UCF. Jeremy. Give me UCF. All right, I'm going to take UCF as well. Two more before we get to the Iowa State game. Ohio State and Penn State. Jeremy. Ohio State. Daniel. Yeah, uh, it'll be a good game, but I think Ohio State. I watched a little Penn State this weekend, and eh, not 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 Ohio State. So uh, Buckeyes win. They're playing in Happy Valley, right? 
they are playing in Happy Valley. I'm sure it's going to be rocking. Six thirty kickoff. They're going to have a wide out. I'm sure it's going to be a big deal. Yeah, give me give me Ohio State and give me Ohio State big. I think that they're going to roll them. And then a throwback to my uh, childhood fandom. I, I grew up a Kentucky Wildcat fan. I'm still a Kentucky basketball fan, and every now and then I have to pay attention to Kentucky football. And this is one of those years. The Kentucky Wildcats are four and zero, coming up to seventeen in the country. They're playing. Uh, two and one South Carolina. So Kentucky is a one point favorite. I'm pretty excited about that. Who do you have Kentucky or South Carolina, Jeremy? Give me South Carolina. Oh, boo this man. Boo this man. (laughs) Give me the Wildcats. Thank you. You get to stay on the show, Daniel. Thank you for that. And then the Frogs, who open as a 12-point favorite against Matt Cam- the fighting Matt Campbells this Saturday night at Eamon Carter. Uh, it, what do, let's just start with this. What do we need to do? What do the Frogs need to do, aside from win the turnover battle, to uh, reestablish themselves, not only to win this game, but to kind of get their season right back on the right track? Daniel, what do you see as some of the keys to this game playing Iowa State? Um, take everything they did this past weekend and do not do that. <laughs> <laughs> Biting commentary from our own Daniel Southern. I'm going to go ahead and agree with you there. Jeremy, what do you think the Frogs need to do to get a victory against Iowa State? <sighs> well, they got to move the ball and don't turn the ball over. They've got to cover Achilles Butler. He's six six, and then don't turn the ball over. They've got to stop uh, the running back, Montgomery. Uh, he can get loose at any time and don't turn the ball over. Um, they've they've got to play great defensively. Defensively, They've got to stop third downs, don't turn the ball over. And uh, they've got to catch the football, don't turn the ball over. And they've got to create running lanes for the running backs, get a good, strong running game going, keep Iowa State's offense off the field. And for crying out loud, don't turn the ball over. Do not turn the ball over. Do not turn the ball over. And I would add to that, when you get in the red zone, score touchdowns. When you get in the red zone, score touchdowns. So. Hey, I did think it was funny, though, when people were jumping on Jonathan Song's butt when he missed that 41-yarder, when he was the only guy in the darn game besides Jalen Rager that was that was keeping him in it. I was like, oh. Really? I mean, this dude—he missed that one, but he nailed that forty-six yeah. yarder to get us on the board. Bo- oh, I'm in. The, I'm, in the, I, I'm. I'm going to have full disclosure here. I looked over at Billy West, and there ain't no way in hell he makes this kick. <laughs> and then he goes and then out he there goes and, he out and he does it. it. He does it, and I was proud for him. I was happy for him. I was really happy for him. I'm glad he hit that. And that's missing the other one. That's not why the frogs lost. No, but because that's that's, that's the knee the jerk. That's the knee jerk fan. I know. They're, they're looking for every. The reason they lost is because he missed that field goal and Gary Patterson punted at the end of the ball game. Why do we even have him on scholarship? Yeah. That was oh my gosh, oh my we're gosh. Gonna, you know we're going to lose some frogcast listeners after this, but I'm fine with that's that. That's fine. I'd rather have committed people than, than just casual two percenters. We don't need you people if you're not really all in That's like true. we are. That's send right. That's mail. right. Send us hate mail. Send us hate messages. Oh, send us the hate messages. I've already had hate mail and pushback. You know, one of the funny things was I posted uh, that if you're more worked up about where the band sits than that we lost the game, please get a life. <laughs> <laughs> I had some people that were like, just, you know, I, I got to tell you, I, I was really, that was offensive, the, the way that they stuck the, fan, the band up there at the top. I'm like, dude, it's a road game. Like, who cares? I mean, like, <laughs> I don't, I, I, 
I still, I, this sounds like a sermon I'm about to give, but what people get worked up about in life amazes me. <laughs> what people get worked up in, yes, what both. people get worked up about in life amazes me. It reveals what you are. It doesn't show, it just reveals who you are. Yeah, show me who you are in a moment of, what you do in a moment of stress is actually who you are. So anybody can be a great fan when we're going to the Big 12 title game. But, hey, that's just the way it goes. So if you haven't had enough truth, brutal truth from the Frogcast, um, you need to go join TCU 24-7 because there <laughs> you can find some fellow comrades that you could commiserate with and who also played Ridgely Roughneck and know a whole lot more about the game of football than you do. Every now and then you might get some inside information from our friend Jeremy Clark. I wanted to add this little caveat. You don't have to, to add anything to it unless you want to, Jeremy. There's not a lot going on with recruiting right now, and I wanted to tell you why. In my opinion early signing day has changed the game and so guys are getting their commitments in early this class is 80 85 percent full and the rest of the guys that are going to commit you probably won't start to hear from them until after christmas and so right now it's all on the season so there's not as much content to be generated around recruiting and so that's why you need to be a member because man once the season wraps up, you're going to start to get inundated. And then that spring and the summer, that has really changed the game. Then you're seeing who, you know, guys that used to be kind of putting their top five, top ten, they're getting serious with on-site visits, with official visits, and some of them obviously with commitments with the way that the class filled up. So right now is all football season, and then recruiting will be heating up right around the time that Thanksgiving wraps up because then you'll start to get a handle on who's going to be on the frogs radar as um, they move towards that second signing day. Does that sound accurate to you? Yeah, and, I, and I think there'll be some official visits this weekend. Um, mo- I think a lot of those will be commitments, but I think Stefan Wright might have a chance to come in this weekend or OU. They were, they were still trying to figure that out. Um, but I, I mean, it's, it's going to be Monday when you guys hear this, I won't have any of that information by Monday. It probably won't be until, uh, around Thursday before any of that comes out to figure out who's coming in for sure. Okay. But I will keep you guys posted as I always do. And you don't have to read that on Reddit. No, you don't have to read that on Reddit. No, you don't. You don't have to do pay-per-view through Oklahoma, like Oklahoma does for their games. I was thinking the last time I bought a pay-per-view sporting event, I think was the Survivor Series when I used to watch professional wrestling. Oh, boy. <laughs> So you were fine with no, the Roman Reigns guy being the game day guest picker, I see. No, oh, yeah, it should have been one yeah. of the Von Eric brothers or one of the Freebirds or There's only one Von know, Eric oh, left and he lives in Hawaii. Kevin is still alive. Yes. Yeah, he follows me on the broadcast by the way. Uh-uh. Sweet. Oh yeah. I know. Kind of a bad I said some good things about UNT last year and he got into the thread and I saw him and I followed him and he followed me back. Wow. So that's, I don't know. I, kind of my brush with greatness. Speaking of UNT, I think we need to swap them for Baylor. <laughs> yeah, UNT looks, uh, they look salty, man. I think they're, I, I, I just said I love UCF. I hope UCF loses a game and, and UNT goes undefeated and they have to put them in the New Year Six game. I would be they win this fine past weekend? That. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they did. They did. They've got uh, FAU at home with the Fighting Lane Kiffins coming to Denton. And if I still live down there, I would probably buy a ticket to that game. Yeah, if the, if the scheduling works out, I may try to go to that. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be a good game to go to. Home, uh, Denton County, home of the Von Ericks. 
So see how it all kind of comes back to professional wrestling. So, <laughs> well, as always, we want to thank everybody for listening to the broadcast. We went well over an hour tonight, but that's because we had a lot to talk about. We'll be back next week, hopefully, to recap a big frog win against Iowa State. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to us on iTunes or what, however your podcasts are delivered to, delivered to you. It drops right there on your phone every Monday morning. Gives you a chance to listen to us on the way to work, maybe the way back. You do it like me, listen to podcasts on the treadmill. We'd love for you to follow us. And if you haven't yet, please join TCU 24-7 Sports, hornfrogblitz.com. We'd love for you to be connected to our online community. We're able to know what's going on with recruiting, converse with other frog fans, meet some guys that know a whole lot about football, as well as make some connections that I think that you, it's always good to put a face with a name when you go to a game and do that kind of stuff. So until next time, for Jeremy and for Daniel, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thank you for listening to the Frogcast.